You are listening to the In Context podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context podcast. Today I'm joined again by Nathan Young and we've got our special guest, Sam Speaks Anderson. It is my daughter's favourite Christian rapper and uh, the 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 southern evangelist who's moved to the north of England, in particular Oldham, to help Steve Neal out in his outreach in Oldham. So welcome, Sam Speaks Anderson. How are you doing, mate? Thanks, mate. That is a proper quality introduction. I love that. I need some sound effects or something on that. I thought I was was your daughter's favourite Christian rapper, Ian. (laughs) Oh, oh. You're you're more into drill, she reckons, than you are into rap. So she thinks you're more hard edge. When she's listening to hard edge stuff, she listens to (laughs) Yeah, she'll move on to the hardcore stuff soon, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. They start with Bieber and they move on to drill rappers, don't they? <laughs> no, she said to me, make sure you tell him that I've just started following him on Spotify. So there Oh, look at that. One more Spotify follower. We're probably up to 12. Brilliant. Love that. Cool. So obviously from your accent, you uh, aren't from round here. Uh, also, you're a rapper and that isn't the biggest of... Uh, musical genres for the north of England rap so where yeah. are you from uh, Sam and uh, how did you end up in Oldham? Yeah born and raised uh, in Newham in East London um, so um, that's kind of where I've lived most of my life uh, and then it was just a couple of years ago that I did the big move up north um, to join as you said Stephen Neal in Oldham to work there as a church worker um, so yeah very different place different accents, different music. Although, like, actually, there's quite a few guys that are into drill there. Mm. Uh, and there's in, into rap, but, like, it's more like guys from kind of more Asian backgrounds or something Yeah, that tend to be into that. Cool. So what brought you to Oldham? How come uh, not, not many people want to come to Oldham? If you listen to Steve Neal's podcast or you read his blogs, Oldham is a bit of a dump like Middlesbrough is. We are both competing to attract people to uh, our towns to help in our mission what sold the mission that steve's doing in Oldham for you and your wife and little boy to to join him on that mission field yeah so um me and my wife were at bible college uh we went along to um the hub conference um uh, while we were at bible college we were thinking uh oh, what would we do next where's the lord calling us um and then there we heard like a, a talk about just the state of the UK. I didn't realize before um, like what the spread of churches was like. I just assumed like having lived in, in London all my life that just kind of, oh, there's some churches here, some churches there, whatever. And then uh, just hearing the statistics of like, yeah, how many, how few churches there are like outside of London, outside of the Southeast. I was like, wow, okay. Well, he was saying, you know, uh, John Stevens was doing the talk and he was saying, oh, more people need to go there. I was like, well, you know, what about me? What about, and Alice was thinking the same thing, my wife. Um, and we really knew like at that point in, in our journey that the Lord was preparing us for some kind of urban deprived ministry, um, that context and somewhere where there's a heavy uh, Muslim population, because that's what we knew in East London. So we were thinking, okay, the Lord's brought us up in that area. We've got that experience. Um, if people need to go North, well, let's find an area kind of similar to East London, up north, basically. Uh, Oldham came up, uh, we visited it, and it was just like a great match. It was like a northern version of East London, to be honest. Awesome. And, th- and that might be surprising for uh, the free listeners that we have to find out that Oldham is like uh, East London, because a lot of people's impression of the north of England is that we all walk around with flat caps and whippets that were mm. predominantly white uh, either EDL, Brexit voters, uh, or UKIP voters, and diversity is never really thought of with the north of England. And for some reasons, that is uh, understandable, especially in the northeast of England. We have pretty much ninety over 90% of the demographic is white, uh, particularly working class. There's a very low migrant uh, population within the northeast of England more so in the city centres, but within the villages and the smaller towns, it's pretty much a white culture. Whereas Oldham and, and, and West Yorkshire has a higher uh, rate of diversity. And uh, yeah, I think people forget the vastness of the north of England. It's a huge mm. 
geographical area with rural areas with cities huge cities smaller towns and, and smaller villages still and then we have the council estate culture which which goes on that so when people think of the north of england uh, i think the shock to find out of how diverse it is in mm. the different cultures so that's awesome that you've come up and and that you wanted to particularly reach a, a muslim population so just share a little bit about what Oldham is like, what the demographics is like, and how you found that transition from East London to Oldham. Yeah, it's like it's like a big mix, like you were saying. Um, there's even within Oldham, there's still that you can still see that mix. So like there's there's areas that are like like majority white. Um, like there's we've got the estates which are majority white, and um, you know lots of social issues there. We've got areas which are like predominantly Muslim. So there's a lot of segregation going on. And then you've also got like some countryside area, which is really posh and everyone's like well to do and, and kind of got a bit of money. So it's really weird. We've got kind of everything in Oldham, kind of a big mix. Where we are in the church, uh, we're kind of near town centre, which, um, yeah, which is a bit more, was probably more on the deprived end of things. And we're just on, the, we're inside of like a, a very um, heavily Muslim area. Uh, we're just like kind of on the edge of it called Glodic. Um, and, and then we've got like a, a mainly white uh, estate that just down the road from us so that's kind of where we are um and it, that kind of matches london in a kind of way like you know with london you can turn a street and then it will be like millionaires row and then you turn another street and you're suddenly on an estate where you might get stabbed like like it is kind of like that um and i guess that kind of segregation and kind of people living right next to each other from de very different worlds is is very is very similar to east london i think the difference big difference for me was just like the social relational side of things because in london like people will live next door to each other they won't say a word to each other do you know what i mean um from these different worlds but in oldham there seems to be yeah just people a bit more friendly for chat you know and people will know each other in the local community obviously all of london's not like that but like on the whole like you wouldn't really talk to strangers in london where in Oldham, like I was here for like a day and then suddenly random people talking to me and I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> that reminds me of a time when I went to visit a, a pastor in Roehampton in London, a guy called Duncan Forbes, and we were walking through his estate and there was a, a, a gang of about 15 youths and uh, we walked past them and I went, all right, lads, how you doing? And they all like looked at each other, and burst into laughter. And he was like, no, don't speak to them. Because <laughs> I've walked past them for 15 years and I just nod at them. They'll think you're either old Bill or you're a mental patient. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, probably for your undercover cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas uh, we've had people from Brixton uh, mm. come to Middlesbrough and they're freaked out by, by the culture up here. Mm. Whereas uh, there was a guy called Darren who was a, uh, a black man from Brixton, and he'd moved on to this estate uh, called Grangetown. It's a tough estate, and everybody had the George Cross flags mm -hmm. hanging out. And he was there for for about eighteen months before he realised that it wasn't racist and EDL mm -hmm. uh, English Defence League people. It was just football fans. It was when he noticed that, uh, that some of the Asian population had uh, St George flags as well. That it was a football theme and not a racist theme. So mm -hmm. that took him by surprise. The fact that there was so much open space frightened him. And the yeah, fact yeah. that it was quiet as well, because in Brixton, when it went quiet, it was usually when something bad was about to happen. So for about a year, he was waiting yeah. for him for some big riot to kick off. Yeah. And uh, I remember the first time, and you remember, Nathan, when we took him to a chicken shop in the town centre? I, I don't know if I was there. I don't Are remember. There? Well, don't we, we took him. Ricky was definitely there. And we, we took him to this chicken shop in the town centre, which is more diverse. So mm. the shop was run by uh, an Asian family and uh, predominantly Asian customers. And then there was also a lot of Afro-Caribbean people coming in and out. And he was like, wow, black people in Middlesbrough. I thought I was the only one. But <laughs> yeah. where he was living, he, the, there wasn't many uh, other ethnicities. So he, he felt pretty much like an outsider. And mm. this was the first time in this chicken shop that I was the minority and he wasn't. So, yeah, I think that there's quite a few differences uh, not between, not just between London and the North, but between the different cities, towns, and villages in the North it, itself. Huge, huge differences. Yeah, and I think that goes back to like it's been said a lot before in different podcasts and things about how London is like just thinks about itself and doesn't always 
represent the country very well in terms of the media and stuff and the different opinions and everything there was. So like growing up in London, I've come to the north and I've got no idea how different Middlesbrough and Oldham are and different places are. For me, they're just in this big section called the north. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas like we, we need to, I don't know, they need to talk a bit more about that and make people aware of like Britain's great, isn't it? We've got so many different country um, cultures and counties and things. And uh, and lots of people in London just, yeah, there's, we just don't think about like outside areas like that. I think that's interesting because I think there is like a quite a, like a South centric attitude, isn't there? Like people mm. in the South just kind of we're here. But then in London, it's like even more extreme, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you live in London. You don't need to. You never need to leave. Um, like everything's there. You just assume. Yeah, I guess in London, people just assume that, that that's how it is like everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting that that like it just hadn't even occurred to you that like maybe you know maybe the church situation isn't like it is in london everywhere and yeah, man. maybe that's where i'm supposed to to serve and um i, I don't know were, were there other people like on your course who 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 ventured outside of london or i don't know uh, yeah I, I went to oak hill so it was pretty monocultural that particular bible college in terms of who went there was a few northerners um but it didn't really give me like an eye open into like what the North was like. Do you know what I mean? Um, before that, my only experience was uh, when when I went to to study. I went to study music before ages ago, um, like after sixth form, um, and then had a few options. And somewhere in the North, and they just gave me a really bad impression. <laughs> <laughs> I went to like Huddersfield, and I was thinking like, oh man, where's this? This campus is like flipping miles away from the town. If it was like a mini city, I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to go here. This just looks grim. Like, no offense if you're from there, but that's that was my first impression in <laughs> it. And then when I went to Leeds, yeah, it was like the worst weather ever. Like, um, I know it's got like a good music scene and stuff. That's why I was checking it out. Um, but it was like the proper grayest day. We've driven up there. I've stayed in a hotel with my dad, and yeah, everything was gray. Everything and all I could see was concrete and mist. And I was just like, nah. I'm I'm not studying here, man. <laughs> There's no way. This just feels like something else. So that was that was the only, do you know what I mean? The only insight I went to I had. And then I ended up going to a uni in London. So if no one kind of opens your eyes to that, and like you were saying about the flags, the only thing I see about flags is just like when they have racist people on the on the BBC. So I'm just gonna think like you put two and two together, don't you? Like yeah, yeah. there's not really much representation sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's funny about the flags because uh, if you look out my back garden, there's a row of flags on flagposts. We don't just have flags out the window. People put them on flagposts, but there's a Yorkshire flag. Uh, there's a guy around the corner who's got his Celtic flags out. There's even a Palestinian flag. So it, it's, again, a lot of it's to do with football uh, mm. or cricket or sport or something like that. There's still a few people who, who resent the fact that Yorkshire kicked us out of their county. <laughs> about oh, yeah, years. yeah, yeah. I'm so, still learning about that to be honest I, I'm still learning about all these kind of regional things they're kind yeah. of funny so, so people all done daily to the fact that we're still in the ceremonial borough of North Yorkshire even though they kicked us out but never mind but uh, yeah there's these vast there's these vast differences uh, so what were these fears then you, you didn't know much about the North of England before you came so what fears mm. did you arrive with when you landed in Oldham because you had your wife uh Alice is your wife, is that right? Yeah, 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 it's Alice, yeah. Yeah, and, and and you've got a little boy? Yeah, Luca, but he was born in Oldham, so now he's official, he's official, oh, low gospel and everything, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. So so, so Luca's a, a, a northerner, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that like coming up? So was Alice pregnant when you arrived? Yeah, she was pregnant at the time. I'll be honest, yeah, I think um, when we visited Oldham, they kind of, I think they oversold uh, the social issues a bit. Like the way they made it sound is like people getting stabbed all the time or people getting robbed all the time. There's this and that. Um, but being a Londoner and growing up where I grew up, that's kind of like normal. So we're almost like desensitized about to that. Like we don't talk about that. We just know it happens and we just get on. But like, I don't know if, if it's it's been like something that's increased over time. But it seems like here in Oldham, people talk about it a lot. Maybe just because they talk more in it and Londoners just kind of keep themselves to themselves and don't really talk about those kind of issues too much so when I came here I was terrified I was like okay I'm here with my pregnant wife and then like you guys are always talking about this and this crime and I think oh man 
I've never really bothered to buy home insurance. I'm going to have to get home insurance now. <laughs> and all these kind of things. I was like, oh, this street looks well dodgy. But having lived here, like, like, okay, I saw the other day, like, some guys on moped steal this guy's tools. But for me, that's a normal thing. That's a normal crime in London. Like, I wouldn't think anything of that if I saw that in East London. That's like, oh, that's just life in it. That's what happens. But I expect, from what people were talking about, I was expecting that to happen every day. And that's the only thing I've seen in like a year and a half of being here. I feel safe and I feel, I've mentioned before, like people will chat to you. Like it feels more like a local community. Like everyone knows my wife because she, um, she wraps Luca in it and not everyone does that. They think it's really weird that she wraps the baby in these cloth wraps. So everyone knows her and they always make the jokes of her. Oh, you know, oh, I, I wish I was wrapped up and warm and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but it's nice, isn't it? Like, because you, you feel like, okay, you know, there's strangers here and they're friendly and they, and they know. And I know if anything was to happen and maybe there was a situation or something that people would look out for you. Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I was, I was like a bit worried at first, but actually... I didn't need to be and it was just like I guess um people were trying to set me up because they were worried that I would be you know be surprised by that but for me from my background that's just normal yeah awesome so it was funny uh you had a similar experience didn't you Nathan moving into uh well when you first moved to Middlesbrough you moved to the worst road when you told me what road you'd moved on, I was like, oh, mate, why have you moved there? You should check with me first. But you, I, I, I had the opposite experience to Sam, I guess, because, yeah, I think because, so I think, I think when you see a lot of these like crime statistics and so on, I think it, it it's all there, but it's, I don't know, it's, the, yeah, there's a lot of people get, get stabbed, but it's, it's people who've done something. Yeah, I feel yeah. like in, in London, you could get stabbed or shot just by like walking down the wrong street at the wrong time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So whereas around here, it'll only happen to you if you've like done something wrong or you've you've annoyed the wrong person or something. Yeah, yeah. So, there's more there's more stuff about affiliation, isn't it? Like, yeah, if you're an innocent person, but you're from a certain area now, for some reason in London, someone will come and stab a civilian because they know that will hurt that person that they can't reach. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I don't think the kind of the stuff is just this, this doesn't work like that up here, innit? It's like if you've got a problem with someone, then you just punch out the person or whatever <laughs> you've got an issue with. Um, yeah, I know, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, I, I think if you're not from a from an area, you you don't necessarily see it. So like, uh, yeah, Ian Ian was, and and lots of people are thinking, oh, that's like a a, a dangerous place to live, but. I, I don't know. I, I maybe I just didn't see it because if if you're not from a place, you can just be naive to it or mm. or not see what's really going on. And I think it's interesting what you say about people talk about it. I, I think that's definitely true that people have a real interest in like everything that's going on. Mm. Like I, I think people. Are, I think yeah, people are just generally nosy, aren't they? And they want to know like everyone else's business. Yeah. And so every, everybody else seems to know i don't know through like facebook or through messaging each other or whatever like everything that's ever happened and so they'll know like oh do you know that somebody got stabbed on this estate the other night mm. like no I, I didn't um because because i'm not like well partly because i don't really care yeah I'm, I'm not like part of those those circles but yeah did they do this in in uh, middlesbrough because something you just reminded me of something when I first moved here and just generally I see it all the time here there's a lot more like community kind of shaming of someone so like I get stuff on Facebook all the time because I follow certain pages in Oldham it'll be like have you seen this have you seen this guy and it'll be like you know some teenager on a bike and he's robbed someone else's son and they've gone and taken a picture of him and they're trying to find out who he is like it's like they're trying to be police themselves isn't it they're trying to work out who it is they're going to go and find out and go to his house and take the bike back or something. Like in London, that would never happen. Like, uh, like people just wouldn't do that. They'd just call the police, try and deal with it. And and that's it. But yeah, did they have that in Middlesbrough? Like where they were all, like all the time, shame yeah. people and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let, yeah. E even stuff that's probably not true and you feel bad. Like, do you know what I mean? There'll, there'll be, you'll see stuff on Facebook that's like, I saw this dodgy guy in the park mm. earlier today. He looked really shifty. Tell me who it is. And then, you know, it suddenly Ian, loads of people it? are... It was Ian. <laughs> I see Williamson. 
let's all get him do you know yeah I don't know. I, I find it. I find it really bizarre. But yeah, like you say, it's it is a it's a, a real different cultural thing to other places. It's it's funny though. They'd never think of phoning the police. They'd find mm. that like abhorrent if someone rang the police. Their name would then be uh, bandied around Facebook as a grass, and they'd be mm. outcasts. But they don't mind publicly shaming them amongst the community. And like, I think personal revenge is tolerated, but like revenge via the police is frowned upon. Mm. Uh, yeah, and again, they don't need much evidence, do they? Somebody just needs to be looking, <laughs> looking a bit different in the park, and he's labelled as something. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, social media has caused quite a bit of trouble. Yeah, in, in I mean, I think it does happen in London, but just not in the same way. I haven't seen it like there. Like in London, obviously, if you're certain from a certain background, you just deal with things yourself. You won't get the police involved because you don't trust them. But here, it's like you know, there's people like like people who are older and, and you know just normal everyday people with with jobs and that and they're just getting involved i just i just find it weird <laughs> i would expect you know like teenagers or something or like i don't know someone who's a bit on the younger end but i just find it funny man yeah bit bit bit, bit different yeah well it's different to me just mm. in the last like 20 years how things have changed mm. uh, yeah again with the social media and and, and just the youth again so when uh, I was meeting with church planters and pastors down in London. They met me and uh, it was funny because talking about the difference in diversity uh, and and because the north of England is seen as predominantly white and mm. working class, uh, a lot of people who look like me are presumed to be racist. So when mm. I met some a lot of planters and pastors down in London, uh, and I was sharing, saying, oh, I grew up and I used to love uh, hip hop and I'd listen to uh, Belle Bib de Boer. And mm. uh, I was telling them about all the old bands that I used to listen to and stuff. Uh, they were like looking at me in shock. I was like, what, uh, were they rubbish bands? And they said, no, we just <laughs> thought you were would be a racist and wouldn't like music like that. And they said, you, when I look at you, you just remind me of a Millwall fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, wow. And that was like the first time that I'd, I'd probably realized that i look different yeah. <laughs> up north i fit in and uh yeah there was shot because again up, up north when i was growing up i was probably one of the the very few people who listened to rap it would have been mm. more like uh like oasis style or you know like kind of rock type stuff uh, and again culturally we, we were very like white mm. but yeah I, I i think the north is being labelled as being racist, especially with Brexit, yeah, uh, yeah. reasons for Brexit, uh, and and before that, just being seen as dumb, kind of working class oinks mm. and, and and backward. Which again, for some reason, working class and being white is associated with racism. Why? Why do you think that is? What mm. uh, about being up north and white would give that kind of impression to people living in London? I think it's complex, but. When you when you were talking about that, it made me think of um, the kind of white flight that happened in East London. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying everyone did that for like because they were racist. It could have been economic reasons. It could be other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but like loads of people like who were historically in East London then moved out to Essex and Romford and Hornchurch, didn't they? And like I think some people in East London have had like negative experiences with those communities. That those people have left those communities, and I think they see. They see a person like that, like who, whose family might have been a dock worker back in the day, and if and maybe they have one racist experience or or two, or maybe it's more common. But then they'll paint you and them with the same brush, even though you're from completely different regions in the world. Because mm. for them, uh, you know, a white bald man is the same whether he's in the south or in the north. Um, that's that's what my experience has been, not just in kind of relationships with people, but in the media how things are portrayed it's like you get like someone who looks like you you get painted with the same brush you know you can be from scotland you can be from the north you could be from Hornchurch. they're they're painting the same narrative of you know are very right wing you know susceptible to being you know easily um influenced and manipulated and um i've been doing ump um light with duncan it's been really helpful because people portray and what's come out of that has been really helpful is historically over many, many years, working class people have been portrayed as people who can't make good decisions. Mm. 
Mm. And I think that comes out in the media all the time. It's like, oh, these people are really easily um, manipulated. They're uneducated. And that's what people think. You know, they, they might even be people who aren't white. Mm. It could be people from Asian or black backgrounds. But they've believed that lie that's been going around for about working class people for a long time that are, they, you know, they're, they're uneducated. If they were educated more, maybe they'll be less racist. Do you mm. know what I mean? These kind of <laughs> things. But many of them aren't racist. But it's just we're just talking loads of rubbish about working class people because it's it's and 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 about people from other races. It's been and it's been going on for years. Mm. Um, and I'm think, I'm thinking about that at the moment. It's been really helpful for me uh, doing the UMP, looking at like um, the class and the ethnicity side of things, and how like historically stuff like that has painted how I see people. And I've definitely had that. Like living in London, I thought that some people in the north are racist just because they had the England flag. Yeah. And I don't know the roots of that, but I'm just learning the roots of that now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's crazy. And again, very patriotic. So we, mm. uh, as a white working class man from the north of England, I felt excluded from, I didn't see myself as as English, how the rest of the world see English. Because mm. the rest of the world see English as like some posh, uh, powerful man, not physically powerful, but influentially powerful, either through money uh, and, and the power being abused. Uh, and I always, growing up as a child, I, I loved Boys in the Hood. And I used to listen to NWA. And I, I would align myself to black culture because that best represented my struggles mm. growing up. So yeah. I was very heavily influenced by black culture. And I used to knock around with, there wasn't many Asian lads, but I'd knocked around with the, the Asian lads who, uh, yeah, my best friends probably from uh, 14 to about 20 were from the Asian community. There were there were third generation uh, Pakistanis, quite Westernized, but still lived within that culture. But they were heavily influenced by the black culture more than the Asian culture. Mm. So I was shocked to then see that. Plus, also a very left wing, uh, grew up in a left wing family who was mm. always historically Labour voters. So then to hear this narrative. Uh, when I, I was training and, and reading books as I got older, I was quite shocked to think, well, why would you uh, label people as being right-wing who hysterically, politically have been left-wing, but yeah. also see themselves as the underdog, not the uh, the oppressor? Uh, so when I went down to London and heard these, uh, it wasn't just uh, p- people from the black community who presumed I was racist and, and, mm. and right-wing and militant. It was white, middle-class liberal Christians as well yeah, who, yeah were appalled at the thought that I would dare to vote UKIP, uh, presuming that I was racist. But I was mm. like, no, the reason I voted UKIP was for generations Labour have stuffed the North East and, and, and the Conservatives have stuffed yeah. the North East. The only people that haven't stuffed as yet is UKIP, so we're going to give them a chance. And yeah. it had nothing to do with race or being right or left wing. It was giving somebody new a chance because every other government had, 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 had let us down. Mm. So that was sadly the people in power tend to be middle class and and off off, maybe if BBC media have often been liberal in it and then so then the way they're selling that is that these people are racist and that and I I never got a chance just having a bit more unbiased media to tell me about your perspective because it's refreshing to hear other people's perspectives but we don't hear that we hear you know the dominant voices middle class liberal people in our you know in most of our media and so we're getting told that, you know, all, all, the, all the guys that look like you are racist, basically, or they can't make good decisions. Ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. Yeah. I think that because that narrative is out there, it actually causes people to become racist as well. So because we, we just, we live in, the, the way the media works, it's so polarised now, isn't it? That it's, it's like, divisive, well, yeah. Yeah, it, you've got to be one or the other. So if you've, you know ever voted UKIP in your life or if you voted for Brexit or, you know, if you think that there should be some, any kind of cap on migration or whatever it is, those are, those are like racist views now. So you must be, you, do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no space for any kind of views in the middle that are mm. other than, you know, whatever the, the, the government's position is anything outside of that, it, you must be a racist. So, I think that's the case for a number of people that I've I've met around here kind of think, well, I, I have to be racist because I don't, because I don't like this and I don't like this. 
So I think there's a bit of that as well, that like, well, I don't agree with X, Y, and Z. Mm. So I, I guess, you know, um, I have to be, into, and I, yeah, I just don't think there's any space for, for people to hold different views. Um, you have to be one extreme or the other now, mm. which is, which is kind of unhelpful. Yeah, I think I think we're in a space now where we're I don't know, I feel at least in the church, I see lots of people talking about race and class a little bit more mm-hmm. and um people are giving more trying to give over more power and opportunity for people to use their voices. I think it's good, but it's like we we're, we're just at the start, I think, of that. And I'm being blessed because I'm, you know, Londoner, born and bred, and I've gone to the north. And it's just been really refreshing to be in a completely different culture. It's shine a light on all my blind spots, my cultural blind spots. And then I can see how the North really is. And I'm hoping that happens across the board. You know, not everyone's going to move. But, you know, as you guys are doing podcasts now, and back in the day, didn't have podcasts. It's a great opportunity, you know, for, for more voices to be heard. And, and hopefully, you know, not just wider society, but the church is going to stand up and take notice of that as well. So that we don't just perpetuate the same thing of, um, middle class uh, leadership being the dominant thing when there's plenty of people from all over the place all different backgrounds going to church but not necessarily in leadership yeah no, I, I was really excited to see uh, we were at FIEC regional conference online yesterday and uh, Gabby was sharing about diversity and again mm. just listening to her uh, articulate how difficult she had to tread to be heard mm. by both sides by not wanting to let down uh, the people who were fe- feeling pushed out uh, she, she, there's a risk uh, I don't want to put words in her mouth but basically what she was saying was she didn't want to sound like a sellout but neither did she want to alienate people and that's a very difficult balance that I found where we did a gospel and class conference a couple of years ago me and Mez, and mm. at the end we were called like a bunch of sellouts for like going too soft by like our type of people was saying mm. like mm. you should have given me why didn't you stick him at you're getting soft in your old age you're a sellout and then the middle class people were like flipping neck we want to be your friends <laughs> why are you being so awful to us yeah. <laughs> we're like wow we're, 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 st- we're outcasts on both sides here. we're trying to uh be honest and mediate but we're offending people mm. on both sides here but Gabby did a really good job, I think. What, what do you think, Nathan, of, of how she shared about diversity? She was, fake, I think, mainly looking at ethnicity, but she also brought class and also gender in, into the issues in the church. How did you find that, Nathan? Yeah, um, I, I just think it's really funny that you're, you're talking about how you don't want to be seen as thick, but you, you've spelled your name wrong. that's that's to 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 make uh dyslexic people feel welcome upon the show as well (laughs) yeah um yeah no i i think yeah i think like you said it's it was uh really good how how she kind of tied it in with other issues um so how we can have a number of of blind spots so not yeah not just with regards to race but other cultural issues that's kind of what we ended up discussing more in my in in the group that I was in um was because our communities aren't massively ethnically diverse in the northeast I know Oldham obviously you've you've said Sam you've got um, a high high Muslim population whereas where we are that's not so much the case it is in the center of Middlesbrough but not so much on in the council estates mm. um but I think there's still a, a real challenge to churches, even in very white areas. There's there's still that challenge not to just be so culturally, so so monocultural. Mm. Um, I think we can often have that kind of, yeah, we can have that um, dominant culture coming through in the church. Um, and it can be easy to say, well, you know, we're in a largely white area, so it doesn't matter. But actually, there are there are lots of different cultures in in any area, and I think mm-hmm. cl- yeah, class is a, a massive part of that. Um, so you know, are our churches welcoming to people from 
from different classes are they made up of people from different classes and, and like you brought up Sam with the the leadership of the churches as mm-hmm. well you know is it at every level are we seeing that kind of diversity and if we are then it should be trickling down I find it quite strange how we ended up on here at the start of this podcast the last thing I was thinking we were going to get into is uh, <laughs> racism or uh, diversity in the church. So uh, swinging it back. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's my fault, yeah. It's like my pet subject. And I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot at the moment. I've like got so much thinking I want to do about it. So it just kind of comes out of me. <laughs> no, well, I love it as well. It's great. And I, I prefer it when these podcasts flow rather than the yeah. kind of rigid. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. Every time I start podcasts, I think, oh, I'm going to have to pad this out. But it ends up, we end up having to cut it short. Generally, we yeah. have more than enough to chat about. Well, again, just with, with all these things, then you, you you kind of came up here with a few blind spots, a few mm-hmm. uh, fears, and a few worries. What what has surprised you? What has been some of the things that you weren't expecting uh, mm-hmm. that have been difficult to deal with? And what are some of the things that uh, you weren't expecting that have ended up being blessings? Because you're still here, so I presume it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. Um, it stops snowing now, Steve, so that's good. obviously. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I think I talked a bit about before about just the friendliness, yeah. I think that can get downplayed because I think if you move into an area, that's quite quite important. So I feel safer for my family and being in this area because I know there's more of a sense of community responsibility. Like, I'm not saying they didn't have, they don't have that at all in London. There's certain communities, especially estates, where actually everyone can look out for each other. And I think that's, I think that's really good. Even, even despite stuff that's going on, people look out for each other. But where I was living, um, I don't feel we really had that. Um, I think everyone was out for themselves kind of thing um, and even even when I moved several times that was in general there wasn't the same kind of community um, spirit and atmosphere where people look out for each other so I've been really blessed by that I like that strangers talk to me now I like that you know my wife can go out and I don't I don't I don't really mind like I don't feel worried about it yeah that there's high crime rates but actually I feel like people will look out for her as well mm-hmm. and, and that makes a big difference because when you're making a sacrifice of moving somewhere where you don't have friends and family it's those little things I think are helpful for your peace of mind kind of thing um and that, that's been a little breast blessing I think um I've been really blessed by um by the asylum seeker community in Oldham as well I didn't mention that but but we get loads of asylum seekers and refugees who maybe who maybe start off in Liverpool and then they get um housed out in Oldham or surrounding areas and we've got loads of people in our church from that background They've been a real blessing to me because I feel like I relate to them more sometimes than like locals and that because they're not in their home culture as well. So it's weird. Like I can I can chat to like an Iranian guy and um and like laugh about stuff that we find weird and laugh about stuff that is like uh, quite nice. And um there's a kind of yeah, that that, that was unexpected, I think. I thought I, I thought it was gonna be harder work, but actually, um yeah, a few, few of those guys are like really close friends now and that's really cool. Um, I think uh, I didn't expect the isolation as much. Like in London, everything is interconnected. And even though it takes, you know, hours to go a short distance on public transport, there's like so many different layers of networks and connections. Mm. And having lived there most of my life, it's not hard for me to find an acquaintance, a friend in any area. Do you know what I mean? it could be work it could be church it could be i want to start a new career and i need to chat to someone who's in a certain field it'll be easy for me to do that but but moving somewhere where you don't have your support network from where you grew up it's like that's been quite isolating um and then and then like yeah just not knowing who knows who and and kind of how people how different churches are connected um i think that's been i think that's been tough i think um I think this is not necessarily specific to the North, but just going into ministry, I wasn't aware of some church politics and stuff that went on as well. And then when you get into that, it's like, ah, it's like you're just learning about ministry. And I didn't know this kind of stuff happened because before I was just a church member. And then and then I was at college. I'm just naive to that stuff. And that's been that's been tough, I think, to 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 know of this situation, that situation happened. So it's just been a real a real a real roller coaster, I think, of of learning different things and kind of smaller blessings along the way 
Awesome. And again, we were we were chatting yesterday with Dan Green, who uh, was sharing about why he doesn't feel guilty about not moving up north. We were looking at how quite a few people that I've chatted with, mm. maybe at the Hub Conference or other conferences, when they've asked me about ministry and, and they're looking for advice or what have you, uh, almost feel guilty and, and make excuses for why they're not looking to move to a council estate. Mm. And what we were saying was often family situations. You don't mm. need an excuse not to move up north and work on a council estate because wherever God calls you is where you should be, mm. whether that be in Chelsea or Cleckheaton or Oldham or wherever. And uh, we were looking at how... Uh, also, context and, and, and life situation is one of the biggest reasons for, for, for staying where you are or moving somewhere different and mm. preparation and horses for courses, needing the right person for the right place. So looking back, I, I've seen a little bit of your history. How do you think throughout your life God has prepared you for mission in the north of England? Mm. I think the more I think about it, like there's just so many small things. It's really amazing. Like, like my mum and dad moved to Newham because my mum was thinking about missionary work before in India and then they decided to move as a family because they wanted to move to an area that wasn't seen as very nice but was multicultural because they wanted to share Christ with people because even from that thing there and then they've instilled that a little bit in me and then living in that area I'm just naturally chatting with people from all different walks of life and so I love like different cultures and and getting to know people from different backgrounds and it's easy for me I don't have to try hard to talk to an asylum seeker for example now because that was just my life growing up and it's just like there's been loads of small things like that where the Lord has kind of orchestrated that background for me to to be able to go into this role now um, and I think I think that's just really cool when I think about it um, because not everyone's had that and, I, and I'm, I'm a kind of weird mixture because my parents are middle class um, but then all my friends and like schooling, everything else was like working class. So I'm a kind of weird in-between guy. But that actually really helps me because now like the dominant group still in churches often can be like middle class or at least in leadership. So then I can understand one group, but then I can also reach and try to use what power influence I have to make sure other people get a voice because I can understand them better than maybe someone who's who's not had my uh, background growing up. So it's good. I see myself as a kind of in-between person and I'm hopefully connecting people who wouldn't maybe usually easily communicate with each other um, and kind of seeing both sides of the coin. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I feel like that's been proper cool to, even when you, you, you sent me a few questions to think about, it's like when you think about it, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, that's, I can see what the Lord was doing there. That's cool. It set me up for for life now to be ministering in a church uh, where where the leadership is still you know predominantly um, a certain ethnicity certain class and we want to be more diverse and and that's something we're working towards awesome yeah so we see that Sam Speaks is a hybrid and uh, <laughs> it reminds me of when we were at a Reach the Unreach conference a few years back that we were discussing similar kind of patterns of mm. how we see this in Acts how we saw the Jews taking it to uh, the the Greeks, uh, the, the 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 Greek believers, and then it was going from the Greek believers uh, across to the Greeks, and how it was spread. And different people had something in common with somebody else, and we could see mm. how uh, the, the gospel was getting spread through people who were the same but different. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it's good to see how God has been working in your life and has brought you to the north of England. And we're praying that we'll see more people like yourself, uh, hopefully through the work that we're doing. Through mm. uh, through Medias Ministries and the work that Steve's doing uh, with yourself in in, in Oldham, but looking at that, we've got two uh, different churches: one in the west and one in the east of Northern England. And you were talking about networks. So, mm. how do you think we could improve working together as different churches and organisations in the north of England? What's needed, and what do you think are some of the obstacles? Um. Yeah, like I think. Um, I think we need more like relational time together, to be honest. But that's just hard. Like, and I think that's always going to be hard in ministry. Like, if I, if the only time I ever see you guys is at a conference, it's not going to be. Do you know what I mean? It's not gonna, it's not gonna work. But um, I really like um, 
how like different people are trying to spend time with each other, different things. And um, I think if we can be more connected, it, it's just weird. Like I, I don't really know what the answers are. I've seen in like London, like some healthy ways people like spend time together, but then they're all like really local. But like, if I want to travel to you, I, I don't know how long it's going to take me, a couple of hours or something probably yeah. to, to drive. Yeah. yeah. So like there's those kind of like, there's kind of practical issues that I, I don't know how you kind of work around that. But like, I'd love to see, yeah, more of us guys uh, working in similar context, spending time together. But there's already encouraging things. I think the fact that you guys are a podcast, we've got a podcast. People are, you know, using their voices, their platforms to to chat about stuff. Like it's through that that other connections happen. And before we didn't have that, so like I think we're always thinking, oh, what's next? Which is good. But like you guys and and I think other people have done really well to even get to this spot. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where now people are understanding your struggle that didn't before like and i think that's i think that's really cool because if you didn't have those conversations and conferences and everything then like maybe i wouldn't have gone to the hub conference and maybe i wouldn't have heard that thing from john stevens it's all those little connections that that god uses in different ways um to just kind of make the church aware of kind of what's going on um so sorry that's kind of a politician's answer i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but i think it's interesting sorry therefore i'll just mention that uh John Stevens, Sam Anderson reckons that all my trolling of you for those years on Twitter was worth it because it wasn't for me trolling John Stevens. Sam Anderson wouldn't be here in the north of England today. So yeah. there was, so you can tell my wife that there was some benefit to me. There was something. <laughs> Finding people up on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan, what were you going to say, bro? No, yeah, I just think it's interesting how, uh, how for Sam, you've gone from that situation of like just not really being aware of anything outside of London, mm. the not just being aware of it, but then actually moving to Oldham. And, and it's that it, it's, it's the knowing what the situation is mm. that's important. So like we were saying with, with Dan on the previous podcast about how people feel guilty about, you know, not, not traveling to the North. Um, part of it is that, some people don't know the needs of the North, and, but some people know about the needs, but they aren't really aware of what it would involve for them to, to be involved. Um, and so there, there are valid reasons for them not to be. So it's like that actually there's, there's a lot for people to, to know mm. in terms of what are the good things, what are the bad things. I, I was just wondering like if there's maybe like one thing that you would want people who are unaware of ministry in the north to know what would it be yeah um, i think um i just want to say yeah before i try and answer this i don't know how i'm gonna answer this <laughs> but i think guilt is a rubbish motivator like i didn't come to oldham because i felt guilty uh that i wasn't somehow reaching the area that's unreached i was inspired by god's mission for the uk and we can't expect guilt to bring people to these regions that need the gospel and even if it does and someone manages to feel so guilty that they end up there they're going to leave you know it's not a powerful enough motivator we want people to be inspired by god's mission for the nations god's mission for the north of england and people don't need to feel guilty about not being in that mission everyone's got a mission in it there's important missions on in london of various kinds of like reaching reaching posh people reaching people on council estates they're all important but like, I think what you're saying, Nathan, is important, like in terms of the knowledge, people don't know what needs to be done. So we need to keep talking about the opportunities. And I think I would say, inspire people, show people, here's the work that needs to be done. Could it be you? Pray and think about that. You know, you don't need to be um, a hybrid like me. You don't need to be from any background. If you're a Christian with the Holy Spirit, God can use you in different ways um, and in different contexts. And it might be you're in the north. It might not, you might be, you're not. But let's let's make people aware of the different opportunities because I don't think they have that aware, awareness. I think if they did have that awareness and they didn't think that everyone in the north was racist, then maybe they would come. Do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but they just don't know. And I think it's exciting that there's partnerships, people from very different areas partnering together because then it's the knowledge thing. And if we all know more about what's going on in the UK in terms of the mission, their needs, how we can move forward, I think God will use that. And 
the right people will be inspired to say, hey, that's me. Because you're right, it's not going to be everyone and they don't need to feel guilty. Me, I was at an age and stage of life where actually it was quite easy for me in some ways in comparison to someone else because I hadn't, my kid hadn't been born yet. I hadn't put down certain roots in schools and stuff. It was easier for me to do that. Um, and I recognize that everyone's got different responsibilities. They might have like elderly family you want to look after. So just whoever, whoever it is, everyone can play a part in some way. They could, might just pray. They might partner. They might give money. But they're not going to know unless we tell them. So I would say, yeah, let's, let's, um, let's spread that knowledge and um, give people voices who haven't been listened to. There's been people banging on for years that I've just found out have been banging on for years about stuff. Do you know mm. what I mean? I feel bad that I wasn't listening to them. But let's let's make a difference. Let's let's sort that out now, innit? And all the people that are talking about how we can sort racism in the church from early that I'm just list- I'm finding about now. Well let's let's give them the platform to so that people can hear what they have to say because it's important. Um that's what I would say. Amen. Thanks, brother. Uh, have you got any more questions for Sam Nathan? No, no, that was great. Enjoyed yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, awesome to, to chat with you, Sam. Shame it's took the podcast before we've had a conversation, but hopefully it'll be the start of uh, much more uh, conversations between us all. But before you go, brother, how uh, can people support you? What you're doing with your music, but also yeah, your yeah. Music, Oldham. Yeah, so um, obviously I'm working for Oldham Bethel Church at the moment. So um, we, like many churches, are probably you guys are probably the same. We rely on external funders to fund our ministry because our church members half of them are asylum seekers so we can't you know uh financially sustain just from our church members so like if people feel cool to support us financially then they can do that we've got a website and you can make a donation um you can pray we've got a prayer letter there's different ways if you just go to oldenbethelchurch.org.uk then you can just learn more about what we're up to really um the music side of things i'm on like most of the major social networks as speaks uk speaks is double e um and yeah i'm just trying to use that to um to share something of my faith um i just enjoy music as well it helps me to just blow off steam and just to process things uh, and i'm hoping that i can use that in different ways to um just to bless people generally like with good music and but also like to get into conversations with people it's a bit hard now because i kind of basically started right before lockdown <laughs> so i'm hoping to use it locally you know like as i said like um there's loads of local asian lads who are really into the rap and drill i'd love to just share some music with them chat to them about music maybe do some workshops or something um so that's my hope and yeah if you're following me on on uh facebook or or twitter or instagram it's all speaks uk and I chat about what I'm up to, uh, both in my job and in my music. So you can kind of follow that. Awesome. Uh, awesome ministry, brother. Great talent. Uh, like I say, my daughter's yeah, number two fan after Luca. And <laughs> what I'll do is I'll, I'll put up a link to your music uh, and to how they can support you. But I really appreciate you being up north, brother. Uh, thanks for coming to serve the north of England. And thank you for the time on the In Context podcast. Uh, cheers, bro. God bless. Thanks, guys.